today as we're continuing this series, um, I want you to understand that the Bible calls your heart the center of who you are. So you parent from your heart, you date from your heart, you fall in love from your heart, you lead, you spend money, everything is from your heart. And so Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived in, in Proverbs 4.23 said this, above all else guard your heart. You can't guard someone else's heart. You can only guard your heart because everything you do from it, everything you do flows from it. So uh, Solomon wrote Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and, and Song of Solomon. And he said the number one priority for every person is to stand guard over your heart. Because if you don't, you're going to be really, really frustrated in this life. Because have you ever figured out that monitoring your mouth doesn't always work? Is there anyone here whose mouth monitor has malfunctioned from time to time and you said something you didn't really need to say and later you're going, um, where did that come from? Anyone? You know what Jesus says? Jesus says it came from your heart. In Luke, in Luke 6, 45, he says, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So we're not supposed to necessarily judge all of the stuff of other people, but, but if you listen to them long enough, you find out what's in their heart. And, and it can be very, very revealing. Now, today we're talking about anger. How many of you know what it's like to get angry? Anybody been angry? How many of you know what it's like to carry anger for years? Some of you, okay. If you don't know how, about carrying anger, if you don't know about carrying anger for years, how many of you know someone who's been carrying anger for years? Okay, I think we got everybody. And let me just ask you this. Someone who's been carrying anger for years, are they a joy to be around? No, no, no. Let's, say, let's ask that again because I know you may be sitting next to them, but that's okay because God's going to give you grace today. Is it a joy to be around someone who's been carrying anger for years? new. Thank you very much. You were not designed to carry anger for very long without it doing serious damage to your heart. So we're going to look at Ephesians chapter four today. And I just got to give you a little background. The apostle Paul is in prison in Rome. Remember that he's in prison in Rome and he's writing these words. He understands what it's like to be mistreated, to be abandoned, to be hurt, to be falsely imprisoned. And these words that we're going to read today are written not from Cancun, not from Bahamas on the beach sipping some little drink. It's from prison. And he says there is a way that we can get rid of anger so that you don't have to carry it anymore. Would anyone like to know how to get rid of anger? Would anyone like to know for your friends and family how they could get rid of anger? Okay. Now, before we read the words, I've got to say this. This is on your listening guide. Anger is a heart issue, not a circumstances issue. We get angry at circumstances. We get angry at people for what they do or don't do. But at the core, anger is a heart issue. That means you have the ability to control what happens with your anger, not someone else's anger. You have the ability to control. So you have the choice to let anger control your heart or you can choose to get rid of it. So I want you to say this after me. I have, uh, I have a choice to let anger control my heart or to get rid of it. And if you aren't motivated to get rid of your anger, there are people in your life who are very motivated for you to get rid of your anger because they are sick and tired of your anger monster attacking them. And, and if we wouldn't have some violence right now, I would say, can anybody say, I know that's right, baby? <laughs> baby, yeah. So here's what it says in Ephesians chapter four. Paul from prison writes these words and these first two words, it's a command of scripture. It says, be angry. Some of this could be your, this could be your life verse. 
It's in the Bible, sweetheart. I'm just obeying the word of God. God says be angry. You could get a t-shirt or maybe we should buy you a t-shirt. Or maybe you could uh, get a bumper sticker or maybe you should get a tattoo. Put this, be angry. Put it on your foot or on your bicep or on your forehead. And, and then if somebody asks you why you have that, you're just going, well, I'm, I'm just following the word of God. I'm just letting everyone know that I struggle with anger. And let me just tell you, everyone already knows that you struggle with anger. Now, if we stop there, if the verse stopped there, we, we could be in great shape, but you know the verse doesn't stop there, right? Paul's not going to stop with this. He says, be angry and yet do not sin. And oh, the word of God. Hebrews says the word of God is living and active and sharper than any double-edged sword. It pierces as far as the division of soul and spirit, of both joints and marrow, and it judges the thoughts and intentions of the heart. The word of God says, be angry and do not sin. There's times you're going to get angry. The Bible's very realistic. There's times you should get angry when there's injustice or when there's evil in the world. You should get angry. If you don't get angry at those times, there's something wrong with your heart. Anger is not a sin. It's what you do with your anger that determines whether it's a sin or not and whether it becomes lodged in your heart or not. So here's the whole verse, Ephesians 4.26. Be angry and yet do not sin. And then this, this was a common phrase in that day. I have it highlighted up here. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. Very practically, here's what that means, that phrase. Carry your anger as short a time as possible. Think of anger like hot coals in a fireplace. I don't know if you've ever been out here when I've started the burn pile over here. There's times like it is, you could see it from space, right? Because we have this huge burn pile. Sometimes I let it go way too long. And when I burn, it is, it is an awesome fire. And then later the next day, you know, I'll come back and there'll be some sticks that didn't burn and I'll go to pick them up and I'll put them on the fire. So, you know, because just a little bit of breeze and it it starts back up. And there's times when I pick that up, I grab a hot coal by accident. What do I do when I grab a really red hot coal by accident? What do I do? Yeah! I do not cuss, I promise. I don't cuss on God's property. (laughs) I don't cuss anywhere, but... um, I really don't. Um, But I throw it down and go, ah! How stupid would it be for me to pick up that anger, that coal, that coal, that hot coal? And and Janie goes, what's that smell? It's just my flesh burning off my hand. Why don't you throw it down? She wouldn't say it, but she'd be thinking, idiot. Nah, I like anger. I like hot coals. Maybe I'll let go of it when my hands fall off. I could just see Janie. She'd be going, all right, good luck with that. And she would be thinking, idiot. That would be foolish. It'd be incredibly short-sighted. It'd just be dumb, right, to hold on to hot coals. The Bible says it's just as dumb to hold on to your anger. It's just like hot coals, only it does damage to your soul. Bible says be angry in the moment, but don't carry those coals into the future. So don't let today's anger carry into tomorrow. Don't let yesterday's anger influence today. This is a great marriage verse, right? I can't tell you how many times my wife and I have talked till 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning. And it's usually those times I'm most tired, you know, that we have to talk through an issue. And I'm like, I really want to go to sleep. And she really won't let me. Because I'm holding on to hot coals and she knows what that can do to my soul. She knows what that can do to our relationship. If I hold on to those hot coals, she's going to keep on talking. 
until I put them down. Thank God for my wife because I'd carry that anger till my hands fell off just to show you. But you know there are anger issues that you cannot resolve before the sun goes down. What do you do with those? The Bible says get rid of them as soon as possible. And whatever you do, don't carry anger from one relationship to the next. And there's a very, very practical reason why. And Paul tells us in verse 27, he says, do not give the devil. Now, in the brackets, that's my word in there. The, the actual term is accuser. The Bible says there is a devil and that he is the accuser of God's people. He accuses them day and night. When you carry anger from one relationship to the next, when you carry it from one day to the next, you're giving the accuser more ammunition to mess up your life. And then it says, do not give the devil, the accuser, an opportunity. And literally, that means a place. There's a book uh, by Carl Payne called uh, Spiritual Warfare. And he says that the devil is looking for a space, a place, or a territory from which he can launch his attacks. Since Satan was kicked out of heaven, we talked about that a few weeks ago. And I would encourage you to go back and hear this whole series because it does build. That, that Satan was kicked out of heaven, and since he was kicked out of heaven, he roams the earth looking for a space, a place, or a territory. And, and we said that he works best with a human host. He works best when we give him access to our lives and allow him to ruin our lives and the people around us. And, and the problem, the big problem in America, if you go to third world countries and you talk about demons, they don't have any surprise because they've seen them. Satan has been hiding in America for over 200 years. He's becoming more and more evident. You don't have to really search very hard to find him. But most most Americans believe in God, but most Americans don't believe in the devil. I believe in the devil because Jesus believed in the devil, and about 25% of his teaching had to do with demons. If Jesus is my Lord and Savior, and he says there's demons, there must be demonic activity. I don't believe in ghosts. I believe in demons. Paul believed in demons. The New Testament writers believed in demons. And when you don't believe in demons, then you're saying that Jesus didn't know what he was talking about. So here's what Paul is telling us. When you carry anger, not when you get mad, when you carry anger longer than you should, you open the door of your heart to Satan, to the enemy of God. You say, make yourself comfortable. You invite him into your heart. Really, you give him this. You give him a a room for rent sign. Only there's no rent. You let him come in for free. Come on in. Dominate my life. You need a space, a place, or a territory. Here it is. Control me, enemy of God. Now, if this guy were at your front door knocking on the door, would you let him in? I mean, this guy, did y'all see the idiot during the hurricane that was in Galveston that was running around dressed like Michael Myers from Halloween. You know, he had the thing on, had a, had a knife, a, a big old machete with red. It looked like blood, and he's just going around. He got taken down and arrested. <laughs> Public menace or something, I don't know. Janie and I were in Galveston when it hit. Homeboy knocks on my door. I do have a weapon. He's not getting in. We let Satan in all the time because of our anger. You open the door. You say, come in. And, and really what, what this, this word, you give him a, a space, a place, or a territory, it's a stronghold, but I think it's more than a stronghold. It's a fortress. You allow him to build a fortress in your heart and to control you through anger. 
He'll influence all your decisions. He will make your life miserable. He'll influence all your relationships. And here's why. The Bible says that rebellion, when we rebel, it's like the sin of witchcraft. So when God says to forgive people, God says don't carry anger, and you go, nope, I'm not ready to give it up yet, God, then you're throwing open the door saying, Satan, come in and live here and control my life. I'm going to carry this anger if it kills me. And God, because God loves you, he's a loving heavenly father, he won't, he won't force intelligence on you. He says, okay, you are going to suffer the consequences of your choice to carry hot coals longer than you should. And, and really, if you, can, if you can use your imagination for a minute, let's say this isn't a physical uh, all, uh, you know, what is it called? Uh, what did I call it? A wood-splitting mall. You know what I'm talking about? The, the, the big old, what's it called? It's a bursting mall. Oh, I like that. So like you have this big thing and you, you drive it in and you split wood. Let's imagine spiritually that you have this thing and you allow things to happen that don't penetrate the skin. They penetrate your soul. And so there's this opening where the enemies of God, the demons can come in and live. Now, they're not pretty beings. They're not, you know, like the little alien. <laughs> Waylon called them alien for the longest time from Toy Story, you know, little aliens. That's not what they look like. They're hideous, and they come in, and you give them a space to live in your heart. Habitual sin allows them piece by piece to build a fortress in your soul. And, and the one habitual sin that I see more than any other in the church is carrying anger, holding on to anger longer than you should. When you give demons a front row seat into your soul, they will constantly stir the pot of your anger and they get so much joy out of you exploding because you hurt the people around you. You hurt your testimony. You hurt the cause of Christ by carrying your anger. See, you, you have this relationship with someone with whom you're angry Anger says, you owe me something. Anger means I didn't get my way. Now, some anger is legitimate. A spouse promised you and God that they would love you till death do us part. They broke their promise. You have a right to be angry. They stole your marriage. They stole your security. They stole your future. You have a right to be angry, but you do not have a right, according to Scripture, to carry that anger. If your parent left when you were younger... You, you may be angry. They owed it to you to be at your ball games, to be at your concerts, to be there when you did stuff. You have a right to be angry, but you do not have a right to carry that anger. Anger is more than just an open door. It's an open account where you're just adding on the tab. Just add it to the tab. Just add it to the tab. I'm keeping a record, and it says right here, you owe me. And I'm not going to close this account until you pay me back for everything you took from me. I'm going to make you pay. I'm going to make you pay. When's enough? As long as that account is open, you're carrying anger. As bad as it is to let the sun go down on your anger, there's something even worse. It's to let the sun go down on a season of your life where you were angry. You finish one season, you're about to start another. Instead of starting fresh, you're carrying old, nasty anger into the new season. And the demons are rejoicing. Yeah, let's go. You go, girl. You go, dude. Carry that anger. And Satan says to you, did God really say to get rid of your anger? Did God really say to forgive? No, he didn't mean that because he doesn't know your story. You get hurt in childhood. You carry that anger into adolescence. You get hurt 
and angry in high school, you carry that into college, college into marriage. The real danger of carrying your anger from season to season is that you risk self-destruction. You think you're destroying others with your anger. It's all about destroying you. Did God really say? When you, when you move from one season to another without resolving your anger, it's very easy to lose sight of the source of your anger. You forget who you're mad at. New season, new people, same old angry you. What is the common denominator in all of the seasons of your life? You. New season, you did this, it's all your fault. And at some point, the new person's going to go, no, I think you were angry when I met you. I think you were angry before we had kids. I think you were angry in that old job. I think you're angry. God says, don't carry it for a day. Don't carry it for a season. Why? Because you're blaming new people for your old anger. And they feel helpless because their name isn't even on the account. They can't help you, give you permission to close an account that their name isn't even on. Let me just say, if you're engaged to an angry person, run now. Get out now. You're either going to get over them now or they're going to crush it out of you later with their anger. The account is wide open. Your name isn't on it, but they will blame you. You'll be the problem. No matter how many times you apologize, no matter how hard you try, that account can never be closed by you because your name's not even on it. They've been carrying anger for so long, they don't even remember the original offender. Now they just blame everyone for how they feel. It's you, it's you, it's you. They're all in this room. God loves you and wants you to be free, so he tells us how to be free, and he tells us this in Ephesians 4.31, just a couple of verses after what we read. Get rid, I put those in red, get rid of it. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander, along with every form of malice. Now, you need to understand these, these words here are progressive in nature. I'm going to explain that to you. Bitterness is an unwillingness to forgive. It's a settled disposition in my heart. I'm going to drink this poison over and over again and hope the other person dies. That's bitterness. You cannot choose bitterness and be filled with the Holy Spirit of God at the same time. They're mutually incompatible. The person who chooses not to forgive, the Bible says you will be turned over to the tormentors of hell. You might as well get the bumper sticker of the t-shirt that says, I love torment. I'm going to hold on to my anger until Satan destroys me and everyone around me. And when you, when you choose bitterness, it takes root in your heart and it never stays at one point. It spreads. And God says, I'm going to allow the consequences of your choice. You looked in my face and said, I will not forgive. God says, okay, then, then unforgiveness, bitterness is going to take over your life. Second word is rage in the, in the NIV, but it's wrath in um, the actual literal translation. It means hot coals. So like you build a fire, it takes a while to get hot coals, right? It takes a while for those hot coals to, to burn out. The coals don't get hot in the first place if you aren't bitter. If you have hot coals, how hard is it to get a new stick to, to start burning on a fire? We have fires all the time. We love having fires at our house, Matt and Rachel's house out here. If you have hot coals and you put a new stick on there, how long does, all it takes is just a little breeze, to fan that and to catch it. Well, that's actually the next word, anger. So you have bitterness, which leads to wrath, hot coals, which leads to anger, which is striking a match or flare-ups. You don't get flare-ups if you don't already have hot coals. You don't get hot coals unless you already have a root of bitterness. 
the explosion of anger is what's on the inside. You've been carrying it. It's been smoldering, but it comes out at this point. And the irony is that anger eats us alive. The carcass at the, at the banquet table of our anger that we're eating is our own. Mmm, I taste good today. How stupid to me to eat my own arm. No more foolish than for me to carry anger and bitterness. And see, that's half the problem. Half the problem is I eat my own life. The other half is that room for rent sign. I'm going to destroy myself. The demons are going to love it. And then the demons are going to be on the inside controlling me. So when I carry anger, it's like I give Satan this marionette control. Here, you want me to strike someone in anger? I'm angry so long that I don't even have to think that it might be illegal or illogical or just plain foolish to strike someone. You want me to say something? Control my mouth, Satan. That's what happens whenever you allow anger to progress. And then look at the next one. Clamor or brawling. So it's either shouting or fighting with fists. Slander is the next one. Slander is I want to hurt you with my mouth. And then the last one is malice. I just want to hurt you. Hurt people hurt people. And so when people are hurt, they start saying things about you especially if you're trying to walk with God because it brings a light onto their issues in their life. An unforgiving spirit is the devil's playground, but it becomes the Christ follower's battleground. And I'm just going to tell you, the major issues we've had at New Life Community Church, the major issues that we had when I was at Southside, when I was at Lamar Baptist Church in Arlington before that, when I was at Crestview Baptist Church in Austin before that, when I was at Grace Baptist Church in China Spring, Texas when I was in college. Every time it started with anger that was unresolved, it became a root of bitterness, and it progressed because people refused to do what God said to do. Go to the person. Well, I don't want to go to the person. I want to go to this person and talk about that person. Do you know that Do you know what stops the progression? There's only one thing, choosing to forgive. Now, I already hear some of you say, uh, I don't feel like forgiving. Well, feelings don't have anything to do with forgiving. You do it because it's right. It's a choice. And here's how I know that. The scripture tells us this in Jeremiah 31, 34. This is God speaking. God says, for I will forgive their wickedness, will remember their sins no more. God could remember, but he chooses not to, so he doesn't. And that's actually a perfect polar bear alert. Remember we talked about that? If a polar bear is wandering around outside your tent, you need to get away from the polar bear. If you have anger, there's a polar bear of demons wanting to destroy your life. You need to get away from it. God says, I choose not to remember. I change the channel of my mind. Now, you do not have to forget to forgive. And if you choose to forgive someone, let me just tell you this. In most cases, you do not need to tell the person that you're forgiving them. I preached several years ago, and this lady that I barely even knew came up to me after I preached. She wasn't here at another church a long time ago. And she walked up. As soon as the service was over, she walked up, and she goes, Hey, I forgive you. I'm like, cool, what'd I do? And she told me what I did, and I was like, I don't think I even did that, but cool. 
And I walked away thinking, why did she come up to tell me that had nothing to do with forgiveness? Most of the time, if you're in that situation, you're trying to manipulate the other person. Hey, you offended me, but I'm the bigger person and I'm forgiving you. Now, if the other person needs your forgiveness to be released from their past, by all means, tell them they're forgiven. But in most cases, it's manipulation. Don't tell them, just show them. Just show them. They'll figure it out. Now, here's one time when you absolutely should not go to a person. You do not try to reconcile with a person toward whom you have sexual weakness. That's dumb. That's beyond dumb. Here's what the scripture says. You want to follow the scripture? 1 Corinthians 6.18 says, run. I don't mean to be crass at all. But how turned on are you when you're running down the highway as fast as you can stink and run to get away from a polar bear? Hey, baby. No, I don't think so. There are times you need to literally run to get away from sexual temptation. Run from sexual sin. No other sin clearly so clearly affects the body as this one does, for sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. So all of this to say, what do you do with trash? When you have a lot of trash in your house, what, what is the logical thing to do with the trash in your house? Get rid of it. You throw it away. Paul says, do that with anger. But it's not that simple. Let me tell you my story, Paul. And Paul's like, okay, I'm sitting in prison, and when you finish your story, I'm going to tell you, get rid of it. <laughs> and he says, you know, I'm in a physical prison when I'm writing this. He says, you're going to be in a spiritual prison if you refuse to forgive. Get rid of it. But you don't have to get rid of it. If you were diagnosed with cancer, do you want to sit around and discuss cancer or do you want to get rid of the cancer? Get rid of it. But if I get rid of it, I'll be letting them off the hook. They hurt me and they owe me. Listen to me. Getting rid of it is far more valuable to you and the people around you than getting paid back. Besides, how can they pay you back for missed opportunities? Here's Ephesians 4.31. It says, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other. If I forgive, it's not fair. You're right. The Bible says forgive. Here's what forgive means. Forgive means cancel the debt. You don't owe me anymore. You should have been there, but you weren't. You don't owe me. Forgiveness closes the door to the devil. So when I cancel the debt, I close the door to the devil. Forgiveness closes the account no matter whose name on it. And then forgiveness breaks the power of anger. So I cancel the debt, closes the door, breaks the power of anger. Poison drains from my heart. Did God really say that? Well, my situation is different. You don't understand. Well, then the next part of the verse is for you. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in who? Christ. God forgave you. Please tell me your story again. Oh, well, is 95% their fault and 5% my fault? That's why I'm so mad. Now, if my life were the comparison, you could, you could get away with that. But Jesus Christ is the comparison. How much, what percentage is Jesus guilty for your sin? Somebody give me a number. What percentage? Zero. And it says I'm supposed to forgive you as Christ forgave me. You had an open account with God. You were dead in your trespasses and sins. God said they can't pay me back, but I can't turn my back on sin, so I'm going to send my perfect, perfect son, sinless son. The Bible says God made him, Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. 
And anyone, no matter how guilty they are, no matter how long they've carried their anger, no matter how sin-stained they are, God says, if they will ask my son to forgive them and lead them, I will cancel their debt. You can be mad at your dad for the rest of your life. Can you go back and re-graduate? No. Can you go back and relive those little league games? That dad, no, you can't, you can't do those things again. So God says, since what, since what you're expecting is impossible, why don't you cancel a debt so you can be free? When you say those words, debt canceled, that's when the poison drains. You're not letting them off the hook. You're guarding your heart from the destructive effects of unresolved anger. So a couple of questions and we're done. With whom are you angry? When you carry your anger too long, Scripture says if you carry it for a day, that's too long. You lose sight of the source of your anger. He makes me mad. She makes me mad. They're all in this room. No, go back a season or two and figure out who makes you angry. Avoid the trap of simply looking around in your present circumstances to see who makes you angry because you've been angry for a long time. Number two, what do they owe you? You know what the person did, but what specifically did they take from you? Until you answer that question, you may go through all kinds of motions of forgiveness, but you're not really going to forgive because, here's why, general forgiveness doesn't heal specific hurts. This is why when you go to God and you say, forgive me for your sin, I think God wants us to say specifically, which sin? There's a whole bunch of them. You cannot cancel a debt that you haven't clearly identified. So what do they owe you? Money, time, a marriage, a family, a job, a reputation. Be specific and ask God to help you with the next step. Then, once you know what they took from you, what they owe you, then you cancel the debt. You have to decide, you don't owe me anymore. Just as Christ canceled my sin debt on the cross, so I cancel their debts. Jesus said this in the model prayer, forgive us our debts as, oh man, this is tough. Forgive us our debts as we forgive those who have, who are our debtors. Wait, wait, wait. Jesus, you're saying that God forgives me like I forgive others? That's exactly what Jesus is saying. It's a heart issue. Now, I read about, and I've actually done this. I've actually done this. I wrote down, I've written letters before to people that have offended me that are at previous churches or whatever, and then I've burned them. I said, God, I'm releasing. I'm canceling this debt. It is no more. Probably the best one I ever heard was this lady um, wrote down all a list of all the things that, that people owed her, and then she went in the backyard, and she buried it in the backyard, and she put a cross over the top of it. I thought that was a pretty good idea. Make a ritual out of this and ask one or two people that you respect their walk with Christ and you have a ceremony where you cancel the debt and then number four, refuse to reopen the case. Your feelings aren't, aren't automatically going to follow. It's going to take a while and the accuser is going to come back and say, you haven't really forgiven. Do you know they did this and they said this and he's just going to try to stir things up, reopen the case. And when you do that, <laughs> you're handcuffing yourself to the past. Well, I want to be chained to the demons. I want to be chained to this person that hurt me. No, you refused you refuse to reopen it. The lady who buried her letter in the back with the cross on it, she said whenever she starts having those feelings again, she walks to the window, looks at the cross, and she goes, nope. She says it out loud. No, that debt has been canceled. They don't owe me anymore. She walks away. You face those feelings. You face the accuser. You say, absolutely not. That debt has been canceled. That account is closed. It doesn't exist anymore. And if you get into the habit of canceling the debt, if you do it over and over and over again as quickly as you can, you don't carry anger any longer than you have to, one one day you're going to see that person. And anger's not going to spill out. You're not even going to realize it at the moment. But you're going to walk away and you're going to go, I didn't get angry. 
Congratulations, you're healed. You've practiced forgiveness long enough that you're healed. And at that moment, you'll understand that God has restored you. And that is the whole point of forgiveness, my restoration and my healing. It's protecting my heart. Some of you are one decision from freedom and a restored heart. So I want you to do something for me today. Watching online, do, I, want you to, I want you to clench your fists right in front of you. All right, this is crowd participation. Clench your fists. What are you holding on to that the Lord has clearly told you to let go of? You see, the word forgive means to release. It means to hurl, not to throw up. It means to throw away. Do you know what resentment means? It means to hold on to. It means to to turn it over in your mind like you're, you know, you got a little rotisserie grill. You just turn it over and over. That's what it means. Resentment means to hold on to it. So some of you need to release. So here's what we're going to do. With your hands still like this, I want you to bow your heads. Even if you're online, do this. And I want you to say, God, I release them. And as a symbol to God, I want you to open your hands. And if you're willing right now, I I want you to say out loud, they don't owe me anymore. Would you say that? With your help, God, you can pray this silently. With your help, God, I am releasing them and I don't want to go back. I don't want to be chained to them anymore. I don't want to be bitter anymore. I want to be a new creation in Christ. With your help, God, I'm not going back. Father, change us so that new life is a church that refuses to hold on to anger, that constantly releases and forgives as quickly as possible so that we can be your representatives in this world. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.